For those of you listening in for the first time or are new to the She Sells 2 network, we are Jenny and Ellen and we started She Sells 2 to empower women in sales. In this cross-Atlantic podcast with Ellen in Dublin and Jenny in Toronto, we're looking to empower women out there in sales to be their absolute best. In this podcast, we'll be sharing stories, tips and tricks, best practices, and the learnings we're getting along the way. In this episode, we meet with Michelle McNiff, Large Enterprise Sales at Slack. Michelle shared her story of how she became a power woman in sales, why she supports initiatives like She Sells 2, and how she, until recently, even at some of the tech world's largest organizations, often found herself being the only woman on the enterprise sales team. And as always, hope you enjoy and follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. Welcome to the She Sells 2 podcast, Michelle. Uh, I'm sitting here with Michelle, or I'm not sitting here with you. I'm in my apartment in Toronto, and you are, where are you right now? I'm in San Francisco, and it's beautiful. Wow. Okay. So that, it looks beautiful. I can see your screen, and it's, I'm very jealous right now. So uh, Michelle works as a large enterprise account executive uh, with us here at Slack. And just to start off, uh, to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Would you mind just taking us from the start? Like, where did you grow up? Uh, when did you move to San Francisco? And what made you into this power woman in sales that you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my sister and mom and I, we all grew up, or my sister and I grew up uh, together in Dallas, Texas, yeah. with our mom. Um, I have a twin sister, and I know we'll touch on that later. But um so we grew up there and we actually moved to uh, the Bay Area, to Berkeley, when we were 14. So we moved to Berkeley, went to Berkeley High School, and that's where I really started to develop my love of everything from journalism to cultures and different people. And I really feel like that carried me through to where I am today uh, and inspired me to really go into sales. You know, really, I, I never imagined myself as a salesperson. When I started my career, I wanted to stay in journalism. I had specific ideals and visions about what that would look like. And the, the pivot I made was after realizing that journalism was my passion. However, the industry itself was rapidly changing. And frankly, I wasn't happy with what I was seeing in terms of the frankly, the you know, the voices coming through journalism and that you know, the, the, biz, the business side of it was really stifling what could be told from a journal, journalistic standpoint mm -hmm. and really mandating what messages were going out to the public. So it no longer felt like free press and these ideals that I had around journalism. And so really, you know, watching strong women like my grandmother and Ann Richards, who was governor of Texas, just an incredible inspiration. Um, and then when we moved to Berkeley, seeing just how many, you know, leaders were doing new things with their lives. And what I mean by that is like even just Berkeley uh, politics, local politics, right? They, they were just really vocal about allowing people to have just freedom of choice in every aspect of their lives. So I started to really reconsider what I wanted to do at that point. And after graduating, you know, I, I went into journalism pretty heavily, but then I, when I started reconsidering, my sister had been in sales for a little while already. Wow. And she helped me see that sales 
isn't horrible, first of all, and that it's not just about like trying to convince people. Uh, she also helped me understand that every salesperson, every good salesperson has their own approach to how they work with people and they have their own styles. And so once I started to realize that it's okay to have your own style, as long as you appreciate people, you are trying to solve a problem and you're genuinely curious, that's really all that sales is. So that's, that's really, I think, what, what led me into sales. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing all that. I know that you studied, and as you said, now you studied broadcasting journalism in college. And I was wondering, are you still utilizing some of those journalism skills in your sales role? That's a great question. And I, I think about that a lot because the answer is yes. And most of it is around discovery. Um, and what I mean by that is obviously discovery of what are the, the problems that companies are having, the people in those companies, what are they struggling with? How do we help them uh, solve those problems, but also really find, like even understand what are other problems they didn't realize that they're having that we can solve for? And what are the big goals? And with journalism, what I love about journalism is it really is, is you know, every story you read, every article, every investigative reporter, they're there to help uncover what's not visible to yeah. other people, right? They're there to help share a story that other people don't see. So we yeah. get the bigger picture. And that's what sales, what I, what I really utilize in sales every day, like in my conversations, in building a plan or an account plan or a territory strategy. It's really asking myself, what next? What next? And what's deeper that I haven't touched upon? And I think, you know, every good salesperson continues to ask those questions yeah. and continues to focus on how do they go deeper into solving challenges or finding new questions that need to be answered. That's, uh, that's very true. And I can definitely relate to that. And I like that analogy as well, like comparing journalism to a sales role, because you are, and especially something we've learned in Slack is that we are you know, we're not pushing information on someone. We're like pulling information and like letting them find out like, you know, exactly what you said with discovery, just like, do you need our product? And like, they might not realize that they do. And then, yes. you know, building that to get, get them to realize that what Slack actually is and what it does for them. So I can completely resonate with that. And um, yeah, it's beautiful that your sister brought you into sales. Like, have you been able to support each other along the way in your careers? Yes. Um, and that's, a, that's something that we think about. We actually were just talking about that last night. That's so funny. So first of all, when she suggested I go into sales, she saw me you know, really wrestling with what I thought the future of journalism was looking like and my role in it. And she said, oh my gosh, you know what? You can, one, make a lot of money in technology sales. Um, she was working at a, at Adobe at the time, yeah. And and I was like, oh, but that's not really my goal. And she said, I know that's not mine either. She said, but what's amazing is that you're curious and you love talking to people. You love understanding how do you overcome a challenge. She said, and that's what you can do in sales every day. She said, there's obviously many painful moments when you get maybe hung up on or you know a a customer doesn't you know doesn't see the value and you need to spend you know a lot more time helping them or come back to them in a couple of years whatever it might yeah. be yeah. but at the end of the day she said you can basically use your journalism skills 
to be a great salesperson. And yeah. I, that's when I said, huh, you know, I really stood back, stepped back and realized, okay, let me, let me give it a try and see what I think. Because I just, again, I couldn't imagine myself doing sales, but I didn't realize how different sales actually is, right? It's, it's solution, solution selling, if you will. Being a consult or consultative person, you know, to, to help that company, that's yeah. really what it's about. You're right. And I'm so happy she could support you that way. And like, I do think, and I want to dig a little bit deeper there as well with you, but myself, I remember the first time I started applying for jobs off university and I reached out to this company that I was really interested in. And they said, after my first interview, this was for a marketing role. Uh, after my first interview, they reached back out to me and they said, we, we see you as a stronger fit for the sales role here. Uh, would you be interested? And I was just That's like, so cool. No, no, I don't think so. Sales is not what I want to do. And then like six months later, I ended up like being in sales, loving it, you know? So it's just like, you have to get over that first bump of just yes. like what it actually is. Cause you have this image and I want to hear more about like, what did you think sales was before your mm -hmm. sister started talking to you about it? Mm -hmm. So to your point, you're absolutely right. You have, everyone has this image of what sales is right before they go into it. And some people very few people, I think, know that they're going to be a salesperson and really good at it. Mm -hmm. um, and so the image I had, frankly, was you just call people and try to convince them. Like you said, you push information out as opposed to, or yeah, you push information onto people and companies um, as opposed to letting, pulling them in, right? And letting them hear the story, but also really hearing their story first. Yeah. So I thought it was going to mean that I needed to be aggressive and I needed to be, which I can be, right? But at the time, I thought it just meant me changing my entire um, personality, right? Yeah. To, to be aggressive, to be almost like a, a car salesperson, right? And I was completely wrong. And so my sister, when she explained how she approached sales and, and her vision was has always been very different because she just, she went to school for business and I think she just got it right away. Yeah. And it's what I, what she helped me realize is it's okay that I wasn't going in that direction, that I didn't go to business school. I can still learn enough and take my skills, pair them with, you know, business acumen, with understanding of different markets, of technologies, of, you know, challenges that companies are going through and constantly grow and learn from it. And that was okay. And that's what good, a good salesperson does. Yeah. And I don't even think she knew that early on. I just think she showed me by doing it herself. Yeah. No, you're right. And uh, yeah, that, that's great. I love that. And like you both ended up, I know I heard you mentioned Adobe there before. Did you work at Adobe at the same time as her? We overlapped for like a month. So okay. yes, I started, <laughs> I started just as she was on her way to another company. And I think it was, she moved over to Akamai at that point, okay. but yes, she did. Um, actually, I don't, she, she might've referred me, but we worked on different teams Okay. and I was definitely starting out as she was already in mid market. Yeah. So it was, it was really fun for a minute. Um, but honestly, she had just, I think she'd actually maybe just left as I started Okay. We did overlap at another company though, Akamai. Really? Which yes, which, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, funny. It's, it's funny to think about it this way. I I don't think I realized how much. I mean, I knew I've always known she she's helped me, and I'll I'll come back to that too in a minute because I I didn't answer that part. But 
we both help each other and, and talk to each other about, you know, what we're challenged with in our roles and, you know, what we've learned, et cetera. But she did also refer me into Akamai and it was, such, well, first of all, I was at another technology company in DC. I'd moved really only because at the time my boyfriend and I, he, his job had us move. So I left Adobe, uh, went to DC and then my sister was in Boston working for Akamai and she told me what an amazing technology it was. And it really still is. It's so useful. It's a content delivery network, but so much more than that. It also provides security for, you know, everything on the web, really any business that has operate operations on the web, which every company does now, Mm -hmm. every single company, um, and really about transforming the way they reach their customers. So that was, that was one of my moves that was really instrumental in my career so far. And the way that, you know, going back to what you asked about earlier, how do we support each other? Do we, you know, do we like work together? And we do, um, we, we talk all the time about, again, what are the challenges we're going through? What is, you know, what are we learning? What are we hearing in the markets? Um, and because my sister is now, she's been a director of sales teams, of enterprise sales teams for a couple of roles now uh, at Fox and then at Confluent. Um, and now she's starting at Datadog. Um, wow. And just like, she just started. Yeah. So she's been really, she's progressed so much in her career, really built an amazing career. And she's really on her way to next becoming, I'm sure, a VP. Um, and she's, she's inspirational in that, in that aspect. Yeah. And so are you both. I, uh, I really, one thing that, that comes to mind for me and that I probably would do, but that's just me and my brother and the way we always been growing mm. up. But have you ever felt like when you were working at the same company as like your twin sister, have you ever felt that you were being compared to her or have you ever felt that you were competitive with her during times when you were both at the same company? Yes. And yes. (laughs) So, so we naturally, we try so hard not to compare each other, but it's really hard for other people because they naturally see two very similar people in very similar roles. Um, And it's, it's really, Really hard not to compare. Uh, so other people don't even mean to, but they but they do. And my sister has been so influential and just so like made such an impact at every yeah. company she's been at. So for example, Box, one of the companies she was at for a, almost ten years, and made such an impact in terms of driving revenue, bringing revenue on, and delivering year over year like just crazy numbers for the company. But also building amazing relationships for the company and within the company. So a lot of those people now work with me on my team at at Slack, which is incredible. (laughs) And so I know they don't, I've never heard them compare us, but I know it's just human nature. And so often I'll hear, oh my gosh, I work with your sister and you're going to, you know, you're going to crush it as well. And that's a great thing. Yeah. But then I compare myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing as well as my sister. And I think that's when I just have to remind myself that everyone has a different speed different time of you know what we're working on when and what our goals are Mm -hmm. and so I just have to remind myself of that like you know daily and and it's okay um and then with with us we we try not to compete we do a little bit but we've really worked hard to remind each other 
that, you know, it, it, we're going to have different cycles mm-hmm. of when we feel like we're excelling. Um, and it's just, it's just the way the world works. And I think we've gotten a lot better at that as we've gotten older. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, now that we're in our forties, we're able to sort of say, it's, you know, it, that's, it's just not worth thinking about. No, that, that's very true. And that's like a healthy way to look at it. It's, uh, it's funny because when you, I, I think you just mentioned to me that you had a twin sister when I met you in San Francisco. But, uh, and then when I was doing research on you, I was basically, I, I saw a picture of both of you. And to me, just seeing a picture of both of you, like I wouldn't be able almost to pick out who was you and who was who she was in the picture. So I can, yeah. I can see why it's just a natural thing for people when you're in the same business, the same line of business, both in sales, and like you look very, very similar to each other. Uh, yeah. That like it would be easy to compare. But at the same time, I love that you guys have found your like, you know, let's not do that. And it's like a little bit of co- competitiveness is always yes. as well. So yeah, that sounds amazing. It is. It's actually, you're absolutely right. It's so fun sometimes when one of us will be like, oh my gosh, I just got this great deal or I'm at this stage in the opportunity and then she'll get excited about something. And so we're kind of like both supporting each other, but also like egging each other on for the next goal, which I think is like you said, healthy competition. And that's why I love this role in particular. It's great. Uh, Yeah. So you mentioned quite a few companies now that both you've been at and your sister has been at. And in one of our earlier interviews, we met with uh, a woman called Shannon O'Connor, and she was a former director of the North America operations, IBM. And she spent 30 years at the same company. One question I had for you was like, looking back at your career, having worked for many different companies um, and certainly really impressive ones, what were some of the defining moments when you realized like, this is probably when I should leave the company and progress somewhere else for my career? That's a good question. Yeah. I feel like each time I left, not, not every time, but like, for example, when I was at Vocus, the small software company in DC, mm-hmm. that I just knew that I didn't want to stay there long term. It just, it was a good technology, but it wasn't really helping transform an industry. And yeah. so I think when I, when I found myself leaving, for example, Akamai, it was because I, I felt at the time we really were in between product development. And there had been several years where I didn't feel like we were adding value for our customers. Mm-hmm. They're doing great now. They, at the time they acquired uh, a security company. It took a while for them to roll that out. And once they really pivoted, I think they're really adding value today, like more than ever, you know, to their, for their customers. So that's, that was really what each time I left a company, it was because I felt like maybe I'd plateaued with that company in terms of what we were offering our customers. And, you know, as you know, I'm sure right now being at Slack, it's the total opposite. Like we are adding so much value, bringing value and actually helping companies, entire industries transform how they work. And that is not going away anytime soon. So that's when I know that I'm in the right spot. I thought about this and I actually spoke to my boyfriend about this just the other day, but we are almost in a sense, you can compare us to, we, we've grown so little of what we can grow, if that makes sense. Cause we are out there to, we are there for every company that has an email inbox basically. And that's every company out there. So it's just yeah. feels amazing to be in a, in a stage with a company that can grow so much more, even yes. though looking at it right now, in my mind, I've never been with, like, I haven't been with a company that's growing to this extent. 
and just seeing what we can do for all these companies now working from home as well has really just mm -hmm. made me so like even more excited. I was excited before yeah. now to be a part of this, but now it's, yeah, it's even more so. So yeah, completely. Yeah. It's incredible. It, yeah. it is incredible. Like we're, we're so lucky and I just can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. Same. And uh, going into that, like, as I mentioned at the start, you, you work now as a large enterprise account exec here at Slack. So would you mind just sharing a little bit about what your role entails? Yes, there's a lot, as you can imagine. Um, really, what I think large enterprise at Slack is structured or how it's structured is, you know, we have a smaller subset of accounts that we are really a combination of new accounts that aren't using Slack at all, that maybe have no understanding of Slack, no, not even any free users, which is rare. And those are often industries and accounts that are maybe slower to adopting new trends, slower to adopting new technologies, slower to maybe transforming how they operate in a new environment, yeah. uh, such as we have today, which is really fast paced technology first. Mm -hmm. If you know, if you're, if you're a company that isn't concerned about the technology stack that your teams are using, then there's, there's probably going to be a challenge. There's yeah. probably a lot of problems you don't see that are happening yeah. um, and impacting the actual business. So I love that the way Lent is structured at Slack is that I get a handful of those accounts that are really not using us that need to be brought in that to you know understanding new ways of working, helping, being consulted with, right? Mm -hmm. Guided, et cetera. And then I feel like I have about five or six accounts that are somewhat already users of new technologies, but aren't aware of challenges that they're facing that other customers are solving with Slack, right? That other customers have and are solving with Slack. Um, and that's where we get to also be consultants. We get to guide them, but we also get to learn from them on what are they doing? Uh, where do they want to go? What are their big goals? And how are they trying to shift their company, um, you know, from the C-suite down? Yeah. And how can we help them? And so that is where a Again, journalism comes in because I get to build a strategy with them in mm -hmm. terms of how can we help them reach those goals, but also think ahead and, and what do we have to offer that they don't realize will benefit them. Yeah. Um, and that's where building that strategy together is so important. And that's frankly one of the biggest challenges is finding the, yeah. the change agents. Um, and that is, that takes a lot of discovery. It takes a yeah. lot of like looking behind walls and looking under doors and whatever, looking under desks, everywhere you can to find those change agents yeah. because often they are the quietest people actually, yeah. um, in a company. And sometimes the company doesn't even have a change agent. But what I love is that's really what I, what I love to do is find that change agent yeah. and then start to help them spread that message around. I love that. That's a, that's a great, I actually like kudos to you. Cause I've never heard that word, uh, but oh, okay. now it's so a change agent just for me, not being from an English speaking language from the start. Uh, would that be like the secret, like champion kind of within the company, like or secret champion, but like a slack champion within the company, or would it be like a director of it? What could be a good example of a change agent? Yes, honestly, a change agent can be in any part of the organization. It, so, for example, it could be someone in IT, uh, like at Intel, one of my accounts. Yep. There is, you know, we there's thousands of users across Intel, I'm sorry, Slack users. Yep. And yet most of the VPs of each line of business that we 
spoken with, they're not really willing to stick their neck out uh, to introduce us to new lines of business. But we've had great success with a couple of mid-level managers in engineering who really, really want the rest of their organization Mm -hmm. to benefit from Slack. And they are getting so much benefit that they're literally pushing internally. They're helping us deliver value to the rest of the organization. And and they're helping us define what that value looks like um, so that we can get not only new adoption, but awareness of you know, from a VP level and higher of why it's so important and critical for yeah. their goals. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, so a change agent really could be anybody that is everyone from just a user who really is passionate about the value they're getting from Slack yeah. to a VP who sees the big picture of, okay, if I am first to introduce this amazing platform that can mm-hmm. enable all these changes, I can impact my business and then also help impact, you know, our big company goals. So yeah. it's someone who does have awareness outside of their bubble, if you will, yeah. um, or at least is willing to introduce you to those yeah. folks that, and they can explain why they see value. That's a change agent. I think someone who really wants to extend the value that they're getting out to the rest of the organization. Amazing. That's a great explanation as well. I um, I know what you're talking about. I call it, or in our team, we call it a Slack champion. Uh, and that yes. can basically be, so that's the same thing. Yeah. Um, thank you for explaining that because that makes it like yes. very clear. Like, um, so I read uh, a couple of your, like you have a lot of peer reviews on your LinkedIn um, as well. And one of them said, which really made like made me smile, that it said, Michelle is one of those uncommon sales wizards who not only brings revenue, but actually thinks about her client's pain. So I just wanted to highlight that and just see like, how does that make you feel and hear to hear something like that about yourself? And would you mind sharing one or two sales tips that especially worked for you over the years? Yes. Um, but first of all, that just is thoughtful. It, it just makes me feel amazing, obviously, um, because that's, how I see myself. And so it's really nice to know that, that others see that it's really empowering. And it just makes me want to just continue to do as the best job I can every day. And I'm so sorry. Now I lost track of your second question. <laughs> second oh, sorry. Question. So, no, don't worry. Uh, so just like, do you have any like one or two sales tips that worked for you over the years that you would be yes. able to share? Totally. You know, I think some of the, the biggest tips, one is to know that it's okay to say no. That that may sound negative, but it's not. What I mean by that is sometimes when, you know, you're in sales, either starting out or even a mature salesperson who's been doing it for a long time, it's easy to say yes. You want to say yes. Yeah. I think that's human part of human nature, but it's really important to recognize that your product, whatever it is, your platform, your service, it can't do it all, no matter what, no matter if you want it to, it can't. And even if you really want to help somebody and you think you can try to make it work, it's better to say no and to say, you know, just, just own up to what's good and what's, what's negative and what, you know, what you can do versus what you can't do. Yeah. Um, and that could be a technical aspect or it could just be a business solution that you know isn't going to happen um, from, you know, whatever your platform is. Yeah. So saying no is one, being able to say no. Yeah. Also really just listening. So listening, listening, 
listening and listening <laughs> as, as much as you can. And I try, yeah. I try to practice this every day. Yeah. Even though I went to school for journalism, I still sometimes lose sight of deep listening. And mm-hmm. so I have to remind myself to do it every day. But the more you listen, even to things that aren't being said, uh, so the, if whoever you're talking to and whatever conversations you're having, there's so much that's left unsaid that you need to listen for. Yeah. And then ask about. And that's really, I think, the, one of the keys to success in building a relationship with, with an account, with the company, in proving that you're there to consult and that you're not just there to sell them. Yeah. I really like that second tip. I like the first one as well. But the second tip is something that I know when I was an account executive, I really had to work on especially in the beginning, you're, you might be nervous or you feel a little bit of pressure or someone is shadowing you and you end up focusing more on what you are saying versus what they are saying. And mm-hmm. that's when you don't hear them. Like you don't hear yes. what, what is their pain? What is their, and why are they trying to communicate with you? But also, as you said, what are they not saying? So I yes. guess that's absolutely the best tip because it's, it's so easy to, and I think it's human nature to want it, wanting to come across as, like, you know, you want to be perceived as a good person or good at your job, but right. you're like just, yeah, stopping yourself from doing your ro- job properly when you're just like focusing on yourself and not the customer. So it's so true. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, so true. Yeah. I think that's a great tip. Um, knowing that you actively supported and helps an, an initiative like like she sells too here. And we're so grateful for that. And also I noticed that you support uh, or volunteered for a company or an, an initiative called CEO. So I, I'm just curious to know more about like what sparked these interests in helping women and just donating your time to helping initiatives like us. That's a, a great question. Well, I think the first one is probably going to sound so obvious and dumb, but it's true. Like just <laughs> being a woman is, unique. And I don't mean to say that being a man isn't unique or anything it is, but I think women are going, still going through a transformation with regards to how women are perceived by frankly men, right? Because there's men and women. And so, um, and what I mean by that is our careers, the way women parent or don't parent, we're still going through our own transformation of helping the world understand that women are evolving, mm-hmm. just like men are. And that just I know that's maybe that sounds a little dumb, but it, I, it really is that simple, I think, in that women as a, as a group are still transforming how we operate in the world. And I think it's, it just goes back to, you know, women's suffrage and everything. Like we yeah. just still are proving that it's okay to either not have children or it's okay to work a full-time job and have children, or um, it's okay if women are in very untraditional roles. Um, And I think thankfully a lot of the world is, you know, picking up on that, Mm -hmm. but there's still clearly other major parts of the world. And even in our own country where it's still a challenge and there's still oddly enough, unrepresented or very small numbers of representation of women in certain companies. Yeah. And so that has, you know, always been at the forefront of my mind yeah. when I started in technology sales, because 
there weren't very many women. In fact, I've often been the only woman on a sales team up until I'd say, up until my role at New Relic. New Relic was the company I was at two companies ago. Finally, I had a female VP and that was the first time I'd had a female VP. And not only that, it was the first time I wasn't the only female on the, say on the large enterprise sales team or or major account team. Um, So that was, that's always been like a reminder, like, no, there still is, you know, this, this challenge that we can help the world recognize is, you know, it's outdated. Yeah. And just to now when you're saying that it's a, you're lucky to have had your sister going up, having her there as a female in sales as well, and being able to to support each other. Uh, And I'm surprised to hear that it wasn't until that recent that you were kind of more surrounded by women in, in the sales orgs. Have you ever, was that ever anything that was top of mind for you when you were working or was it just something that you assumed that this is the way it is? I assumed this is just the, for a little while, for the first couple of jobs I had, you know, or I should say sales jobs, roles that I had, um, I thought it was just the way it was going to be. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I realized over time by seeing my sister and seeing other females that were looking to get into sales. Yeah. Like, oh, no, no, this is actually something that we should focus on and that we should support each other in focusing on and really verbalizing to the rest of the world that not just sales, but women in general still have a long way to go to be recognized as equal. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to, to say that like out loud. And I know a lot of, I've had a lot of contentious discussions with a lot of my friends who are male. Um, And I think because they didn't, they don't want to feel understandably defensive that maybe it's, it's a slight on them and it's not, it's definitely not a slight on men. It's just the way, unfortunately, when there is a historical moment that when any party or any individual or any group is put down, it takes a long time to recover from and it's systemic. There's problems from that are systemic and that's what we're still dealing with. So it's just about reminding each other that we can continue to work on it and we can continue to grow absolutely and uh yeah we've like since starting this it hasn't happened as much as we we thought like just the name she sells too and the kind of content that we deliver but it has been two or three times when we have messages from from men asking so you're not supporting men in sales or you're not and it's just like a shame almost to read it because you're just you get a bit like well like no it's not at all that we support everyone in sales but it's more that just like to me it says more about the guy writing that to you right yes yes okay um how will i explain to you that like this is maybe the way it's been for like 50 60 years and like we're just trying to make a small change like it's uh yeah yes it's very yeah sorry and, and I, no, I'm so sorry. I cut you off. I apologize. <laughs> Talk about not listening. Um, but you're just like, exactly. I've had this same conversation yeah. uh, with my boyfriend a couple of times and he's great and he totally supports, very supportive of women. But sometimes even he, I think, gets a little defensive just because it might seem that we're saying, oh, just let's just support women, but we're not. And And I think those individuals who get really defensive about it, like invite you, like, you said and say oh my gosh you're not supporting men why you know yeah it doesn't need to be 
one or the other. You know what I mean? Just because we are supporting women and uplifting women does not mean that we're saying, but we dislike men, right? Or we don't think they deserve help. Exactly. Not at all. No, and I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I'm actually curious because your, your boyfriend is in sales as well, right? Yes. <laughs> so that, oh, yes you're so in a bubble of sales. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I was curious to hear now during what, what's going on in the world with COVID and a lot of sales peers out there are struggling just either to, to make a sale or find motivation in selling and both you and your boyfriend are working in sales, being at home, doing so. Would you mind sharing like how have your last two months been working professionally? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's on one hand, it's been, frankly, really nice to have flexibility of I've because I was in the office like basically every day, except when I got to be in front of customers. And it's a beautiful office. So grateful. I don't it's not a huge commute. Like I've, I'm just very grateful. My life is amazing. So, yeah. But it is nice to be able to juggle, especially when we have the kids part time. Yeah. It's, it's so nice to be able to have the flexibility, frankly, of working from home so I can pick up the kids when I need to, help Ted with the kids, make dinner, and it's not as rushed. It's, it's yeah. just life-changing in a way, but it has been isolating. And we're in sales because partly we're people, people, people. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a people person. Sure. And, and I miss the human interaction, as we all do. Yeah. So, you know, the past two months have been interesting because one, I've, I've really gotten to see how people come together in times of difficulty. And so physically see that through, through Zoom, right? Or phone calls and even, you know, like conversations with customers over Slack, shared channels have become even more important. And like, oh, this is such a great example. Last night, one of my champions at Intel just had a baby and he shared a picture. His wife just delivered last night and it was just so beautiful. And so it's a way to, yeah. So way to connect, right? And yeah. it's just, it's awesome. And it's so interesting that you ask also about my boyfriend because yes, he's in sales. He leads a sales team. He recently moved over to operations. So he's VP of operations for his company. We actually, he's in an industry that is considered mission critical or um, basically they, they're not shut down. So he goes into the warehouse and the office so it's just been me working at home, which has also been actually kind of great because there wouldn't be enough room otherwise <laughs> for both of us. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I can definitely relate to that. It's, um, and I think you said that to me before, like, it's just, it's a, most of us live in one bedroom apartments and that's, uh, my boyfriend actually just got a new job as well. Uh, oh, and he's in sales, just went over to Salesforce and, oh, nice. um, He's super excited and but it's also interesting how like he's got the bedroom and that's his office and like he's happy with that and I got the living room and that's my office and then we nice. just try and not cross each other's paths and it's like how do we make sure if you're in a meeting like you don't just walk in and start cooking you know it's, yes it's a lot of like little ground rules that needs to be set so yeah it's yeah. Uh, I think everyone's having those kind of like situations right now. It's, it's so funny. And you guys are, and congratulations for your boyfriend. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name. Yeah, uh, Connor. Connor, that's yeah. so great. Congratulations. And yeah. it's, it's refreshing to know that, you know, when, when I see a Zoom call and there's, you know, customers with their kids running around, it's, it's actually more humanizing, I'm realizing. 
I, uh, I, I thought about this the other day. I was having a call with a VP of IT and he was just like, what had to go away to tell his dog to stop barking and then he got back and just, you know and it just becomes so he's wearing a hoodie and I was just like okay I really see your life here and it became a very relaxed conversation it wasn't at all any form of like suit up and you know trying yeah. like, it was very very just nice to chat to him mm -hmm. and uh, yes. maybe that just brings out more of our like our own good sides as well yeah I think I, so I like it um, I think, yeah, I think, you know, if there's a silver lining to the current health crisis with COVID, I, I do think that is one of them. That and yeah. the environment getting better because we're not driving as much and, you know, using as many resources, but that and the seeing people just be human and maybe somewhat like changing the flexibility around how everyone works and part of that is using Slack. Yeah. So. I know we're coming up on time and I don't want to steal you for the whole, we've been talking quite a lot, which is amazing. Yes. Um, so that last thing that we usually ask women uh, when we interview them is what do you think that we can do today to help more women transition into sales or start a career in sales or any form of like just making women looking at sales? Well, first of all, I think what you're doing today is amazing. She sells too is incredible. I'm so glad that I met you and that we get to work for the same company. And um, I think what you're doing is really helpful. It's impactful. And I want to keep spreading the word. And what I think, you know, when I think about like what I can do and what maybe other like peers of mine can do, in addition to really just having conversations with other women, it, I think we can, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, we can help other men, frankly, bring them into the conversation and help them understand that it's so it's not doesn't have to be an exclusive conversation right of just women like this is we're all a part of the same human race yeah. and we're all here to help each other and no one has to look out just for themselves in order to make sure they succeed we can actually all succeed by helping each other yeah and i think that really is what we can do first and foremost is to make sure that we're making sure that it's an inclusive conversation yeah uh, that we're having that's a great tip. Thank you so much. And You're thank you for awesome. all your kind words as well. Uh, it's been great having you. And uh, yeah, I loved hearing the whole, your story and just all sharing all your tips with us. It's amazing. Well, thank you, Jenny. Thanks for inviting me. This seriously is uh, really special and I am grateful to be a part of it. So thank you. Thanks.